engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news. The fold number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. He actually decided finally to do it. Joe Biden is in. He is he's using Charlottesville as his launching point to get into the race. Uh, Joe Biden has entered uh, claiming he essentially wants a restoration of the Obama era. Uh, progressives are livid with Joe Biden. By the way, just as an aside, while I'm thinking about it, because you know how my brain works. I'm going to forget this. Uh, this is not an ad. It's just Belinda's ad reminded me the virtual imaging thing. I'll have you know, I went to virtual imaging because uh, all the lung and heart stuff and have a zero calcium score. I'm fit as a fiddle when it comes to my heart. It was actually really cool. They passed me through that machine. I didn't have to have an IV or anything. Anyway, I was very pleased and got very, very, very good results for a 43-year-old. So I decided to go out today and have McDonald's for lunch. Now, Joe Biden. <laughs> Biden, he's he's using Charlottesville as his launching pad. The, the racist uh, march there, the Unite the Right march with the white supremacists and the tiki torches and all of that, he thinks that we are a lesser people because of it and that Donald Trump has stirred all that up and this is not the people that we are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so he is going to try to make that his case, that he will return us to the Obama glory, but without the Obama endorsement. Okay, can I just tell you how these things work? Does anybody out there really believe that Joe Biden did not want Barack Obama's endorsement? Is there anyone who really believes that he didn't want it? Uh, because that's what he's telling people out there. This is Biden with a reporter asking him the most obvious question. He's Barack Obama's vice president. Where's the Obama endorsement? If you are the best choice for the Democrats in 2020, why didn't President Obama endorse you? I asked President Obama not to endorse, and he doesn't want to. We should, whoever wins this nomination, should win it on their own merits. Uh, you should win it on their own merits. So I asked Barack Obama not to endorse me. <laughs> really? Really? Does anybody believe this at all? Because I sure don't. And I don't think you should believe it either. Here's what actually happened. Barack Obama wasn't actually going to endorse him. He wasn't going to do it. Uh, now, Barack Obama may eventually endorse him, but Barack Obama doesn't owe Joe Biden anything. And he wants these candidates. If Let's say he endorses Joe Biden. What happens if Bernie Sanders wins? Well, then suddenly Bernie Sanders has every reason to go after Barack Obama. So he's got to, he, he, if he goes in and Barack Obama says, I'm not endorsing yet, well, then reporters get the legitimate question of, why aren't you endorsing your vice president, the man you gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom to? And so what Joe Biden can do to neutralize this is he goes out and says, hey, 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 Barry, I don't want your endorsement. I want to do this myself. And he can say this with a straight face to reporters who are sympathetic and aren't going to hold him accountable on this. Now, there will be reporters on Fox. There will be talk radio show hosts, myself included, who point out that, you know what, if Barack Obama really wanted to endorse, he could still endorse. 
And that's why Joe is doing this is because if Obama endorses and Biden loses, it puts Obama in a very bad spot. If Obama doesn't endorse and Biden wants it, well, then it makes Biden look bad. So he's got to do it this way. Now, the left is really, really upset with Joe Biden. Uh, They want none of this. The progressive group that supports Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has come out and said, nope, we're going to fight Biden. A lot of them like uh, Bernie Sanders now. It seems like the, the Pete Buttigieg bubble is over. Just as everyone gets comfortable saying Buttigieg, he starts to fade. Why? Can I can I say he peaked too soon? Um, overexposure to some degree. You see, the media has been fawning over Buttigieg. Say, oh, he's so available. He's so awesome. He's so wonderful. He speaks seven languages. He's so available. Did I mention he's so available? We can do interviews with him. He's so available. Well, he made himself so available. He doesn't have anything left to say. And of the things that Buttigieg has thus far said, he said a bunch of vapid nonsense. Uh, he, he answers questions with questions. He, he answers in, in lollipop phrases that don't actually have any substance to him. And reporters are now starting to say, hey, uh, we're asking this guy what his plan is on health care. And he's not really answering our questions. And they're starting to move on. They never looked at Beto, mind you, that they, they gave up on Beto. But they are completely over Buttigieg now, just in time for Joe Biden to run. My wife is very upset I did not ask the vice president to come down for that. The vice president loves motorcycles, and he has been living vicariously through my wife's Instagram in her motorcycle rides. He's not the only one. There are several national politicians who follow my wife on Instagram with accounts you would never know it was them. And uh, basically following her on her motorcycle rides. Now, you can't actually, I'm not even going to give my wife's Instagram account to you. It's private. Uh, But she, you know, she's got lung cancer and decided to do her therapy is she rides a Harley. And she rides all over the countryside with the Harley owners group, the Hogs. And she very much intended to be in the police memorial ride in the morning. She was prepared to go. But our son has a soccer tournament in the morning and is very insistent his mom be at the soccer tournament. So she will have to wait till next year's, which gives her another year to harass me to harass the vice president. In fact, when I had lunch with Vice President Pence several weeks ago at the White House, he was telling me uh, Karen, his wife, is, is like me, not a big fan of him riding his motorcycle. He had a Harley as well. And so when he became governor, the outgoing governor, Mitch Daniels, convinced Karen that uh, Governor Pence would need a motorcycle because there were so many charitable fundraising rides that the governors were expected to do. He needed to learn how to ride a motorcycle and get one. So they got him one. Well, now he tries to do fundraisers around the country with candidates who actually ride motorcycles because the Secret Service can't tell him no. So he gets opportunities to ride motorcycles. Otherwise, they tell him he's not allowed to ride a motorcycle. So Christie had very much wanted me to ask him up for the police memorial ride in the morning or come down here for the police memorial ride. I bet he would have done it too. I'm going to have to ask him for next year. Uh, Georgia being a swing state next year would actually be be a, a great thing for him to be able to do. That is in the morning though, as, as Doug Turnbull said, and I don't mean to deviate from Biden, but this is important. For those of you who may be coming into the city tomorrow for any of the number of events that are going on you're going to have a ton of people tomorrow. The motorcycle ride, they're expecting around 2,000 people in this motorcycle ride. Uh, it, it is to raise money uh, to help fallen officers and their families, uh, the families of fallen officers. It's also a great thing to come out and witness all of these motorcycles going by. So if you can, uh, try to get down for that. But traffic is going to be an absolute wreck in the morning 
with all the motorcycles. Now, back to the uh, Biden announcement. CNN, I'm actually kind of surprised they went there, but they did listen to this. I guarantee you, Brooke, when he dropped out, I remember this, when he drops out in 08, there's no way he thinks, hmm, maybe in 12 years I'll run for president again, right? That was seen as the end. Then Obama picks him for VP, and then Hillary loses. I mean, it's a series of events that have drawn us here. But one thing Donald Trump is right about when he attacks Joe Biden, Joe Biden in presidential races, the 88 race ended by a plagiarism scandal, the 2008 race, he's never really relevant and drops out after the first vote. He's never really shown the quality of candidate that we expected him to be in either of those races. So hmm. there are questions as he begins this third time to try to get that mantle. Yes, I'm I'm actually surprised CNN gave that analysis. I want to expand on that when we come back. Okay, I went out of town this past weekend and I did not have my butterfly pillow. And it's actually called my butterfly pillow. That's the product name. They sent me one and asked if I would review it. Gosh, it's been about a month ago. Uh, Georgia Company, they sent it to me, asked if I wanted to review it. I fell in love with it. And then my kids stole it from me and I had to steal it back from my kids. So my butterfly pillow is kind of unique in that it is adjustable in more ways than one. It's got a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It has a built-in uh, Night Owls Bluetooth speaker, so you can listen to music, sound, even smart TV. It, it, the height is adjustable. It's even got a great position for you for your arm if you're a side sleeper. I love my butterfly pillow. You will love my butterfly pillow. I went out of town this weekend and I didn't take it with me and very much missed it. It has become my go-to napping pillow. Listeners to the Eric Erickson show get $30 off the list price of $129. You use code Eric, E-R-I-C-K at checkout. You'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com. Enter the code Eric at checkout to save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is Eric. It's Eric Erickson here. All right. Can I give you a little background on Joe Biden, please? Um, Background that everybody seems to have forgotten. Uh, Let me actually, I want to play this clip from CNN again, just one more time real quick so that I can frame it for you. I guarantee you, Brooke, when he dropped out, I remember this, when he drops out in 08, there's no way he thinks, hmm, maybe in 12 years I'll run for president again, right? That was seen as the end. Then Obama picks him for VP. And then Hillary loses. I mean, it's a series of events that have drawn us here. But one thing Donald Trump is right about when he attacks Joe Biden, Joe Biden in presidential races, the 88 race ended by a plagiarism scandal, the 2008 race, he's never really relevant and drops out after the first vote. He's never really shown the quality of candidate that we expected him to be in either of those races. So Hmm. there are questions as he begins this third time to try to get that mantle. That third time. So in 1988, Joe Biden ran for president as a Democrat, and he was a fairly conservative Democrat. He had been pro-life, had shifted his positions to pro-abortion positions, uh, and then was destroyed by Michael Dukakis and others for pointing out that Joe Biden had actually plagiarized from Neil Kinnock, who was a labor leader in Great Britain, had plagiarized some of his writings. And it was a big scandal in 1988. Imagine plagiarism taking out a candidate now. Um, it was a big scandal. It caused Joe Biden to drop out, and he became the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. He presided over the Anita Hill hearings and all that. And it was not until 2008 where he decided to try again. 
he and Chris Dodd and several other senators decided to run for president. And Biden, yet again, was not successful. And one of the reasons Biden was not successful in 2008 uh, is, well, he didn't have a natural constituency about him, but he also did not have a skilled foreign policy judgment. He Remember, Biden even admitted when Obama was president, Biden was opposed to the raid that got Osama bin Laden. He was opposed to it. He's admitted it on stage. And he also had this cockamamie idea of dividing Iraq into three parts, which everyone universally agreed would have sparked a huge prolonged civil war. So a lot of Democratic foreign policy experts are like, yeah, not this guy necessarily. And Obama was the nominee. Obama wound up picking him because Obama needed a senior hand from the Senate. Chris Dodd was an alternative, but Dodd uh, was mired in uh, banking scandal and retired from the Senate. So Biden became it. And Biden is a gaff machine. He's a great guy. He and his wife. And I know you guys get mad at me because he supports abortion. I, I, I separate uh, Christian morals from polite civil society morals. And in polite civil society, Biden is a guy you would love to have as your next door neighbor. He's a nice guy. And he and his wife have done a lot behind the scenes to help people get back on their feet. Even if they don't give a ton of money to charity, they are just put in the sweat equity. He's a good guy. But he's been wrong on everything forever. I mean, he even tried to split the baby in the Anita Hill hearings. He's called Anita Hill now and apologized to her. She says not good enough. I could have told him not to waste his time. Uh, trying to apologize to Anita Hill. It wasn't worth it, and now it's blown up in his face. But the media doesn't care. The media wants to beat Donald Trump. And we might as well all absorb that fact that the media are not um, uninterested objective bystanders here. They hate Donald Trump because Donald Trump is the one who's called them the enemy of the people. They're out to get him. And they're going to use Joe Biden to do it. They are convinced that moderate and independent voters will support a man who's okay killing kids up until the moment they exit the womb. I don't know that that's going to work for him. Biden does have a history. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, man, I can't even, I, I can't read the, well, uh, can we, can we have this discussion? <laughs> I, I can't read to you the way it's listed. I actually, y'all, I, I, I guess it's dad brain. Uh, I, I've got so much stuff going on in the day. I'm having to use sticky notes and, and write down kind of the order of things I want to talk about. Uh, and just, just to remind myself, oh, this is something I want to talk about. Well, one of the things that I, it's earth and I can't tell you the second word. It is people who believe I'm, I'm doing this this way because some of you have children in the car. It is people who believe that they should have intimate relations with the earth. Um, back when I was growing up, we call these people perverts. <laughs> I kid you not. There's this article out today about these people that, that in order to help heal the earth, they need to start having conjugal visits with the earth. Got a hole in a tree or just dig a hole in the ground and, oh, yes, they're all liberals, of course. 
And the upside is that they won't actually procreate and multiply across the earth. Um, they will die lonely existences. Uh, but these people are out there. A buddy of mine who's a pastor up in, um, where is he, in Montana, I put this up on social media, the, a link to this article. It's at Vice. And he said in the old days, they would stay virgins and throw each other into volcanoes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty much what they're doing now, um, except they're not throwing each other into volcanoes. They're throwing each other into into holes in the earth. I it just this is people have lost their minds. I, I saw um, a friend of mine, Erin, who listens to the show on her Instagram feed last night, had up a picture. I had to show it to my daughter of someone they tweeted that their kid came home from school made perfect grade uh made perfect grades but uh, the teacher said that they needed to uh be nice around other people uh, my son got his report card today and academically he did well but his teacher wrote a note specifying he needs to use kind words with friends i asked him about it and he said quote my friends are dumb and they need to know i'm i'm right there with them my kid is the same way and there are a lot of stupid people out there and we've got now a group of people who believe that they should have intimate regular relations with the earth as opposed to other people uh, and that's how they're going to save the planet they're called perverts okay now the president was at the National Rifle Association event. The vice president also spoke to the NRA. And I want to play the vice president first because the GOP is certainly beginning to seize quickly on something the Democrats are talking about. But our freedom is under assault every day in other ways. The same blue states and cities that are trying to bankrupt the NRA have become sanctuaries for, for illegal immigrants, including dangerous gang members and human traffickers. And the same people who want to restrict the right to keep and bear arms of law-abiding citizens believe the Boston Marathon bomber should be given the right to vote on death row. I got news for you, Bernie. Not on our watch. Violent, convicted felons, murderers, and terrorists should never be given the right to vote in prison. Not now, not ever. And you know what's going to happen by Pence and Trump making this an issue? The Democrats are going to double down. You saw Kamala Harris trying to walk it back. She's going to double down now. All the Democrats are going to double down now. This is what they do. And then the president spoke of the NRA as well. Chris Cox, Wayne LaPierre, Oliver North. I've been following Oliver for a long time. Great guy. Three extraordinary champions for the Second Amendment. And I'm a champion for the Second Amendment, and so are you. It's not going anywhere. It's under assault. It's under assault, but not when we're here. Not even close. Do you know what Los Angeles is doing? Los Angeles, uh, the NRA is filing a lawsuit against them. Los Angeles is demanding that contractors who do business with the city disclose whether or not they do business with or support and give money to the NRA. The contractor individually or as a corporation. So that they can deny business to that person. This is why disclosures are increasingly a bad thing. The left has decided to weaponize political disclosures in this country. 
And I think you're going to find I, look, I'm firmly in the camp of there is no reason for anyone to have to disclose who they give donations to. In fact, I'm opposed to candidates disclosing. Give it to the give it to the FEC, but don't allow them to be made public like a tax return. So the FEC can make sure there's no abuse, but otherwise you, you won't have left-wing activists abusing the process. You won't have left-wing activists abusing uh, people who give donations. We're seeing this more and more, and now they're coming after the NRA and its donors. They want to deprive people of the ability to work for city government in Los Angeles if they are an NRA supporter. That is unconstitutional. Uh, the right of people to be able to affiliate a, a, with political groups of their choice is in the First Amendment. It is a freedom of speech issue, and L.A. wants to deny them that, uh, that wants to deny them the ability to for a, a livelihood if they support a cause that L.A. doesn't like. They need to be sued and punished for that. Uh, it is unconstitutional. I This level of harassment from the left, uh, you know, it, Biden is having to deal with this. Uh, progressive activists are pledging to go after big donors who have donated to Joe Biden for stifling the revolution. And the Biden team, with the help of reporters, is openly talking about this, and they're phrasing it as restoration or revolution. What do you want? Do you want a return of the Obama era or do you want a revolution? I got news for some of the Democrats. I don't know that they realize how bad it is out there right now, but by and large, a number of Democratic activists, a growing number of Democratic activists, they want the revolution. They think that Barack Obama pulled his punches. They blame Barack Obama for Trump. I'm actually, you can follow this on social media. And I realize that social media tends to distort the relevance of topics. And social media, particularly Twitter, tends to amplify uh, dissident opinions. But those dissident opinions amplified make it into the press and begin to persuade people over time. That's why Twitter can be so dangerous. And you've got these uh, dissident Democrats who believe that Barack Obama pulled too many punches, uh, that he's the blame for the rise of Donald Trump. He didn't do enough to keep his promises and they are ready to move on. They are ready. They don't want to go back to Barack Obama. They don't want a restoration. They think there's nothing to restore except a, a candidate who pulled punches and allowed Russia to interfere with the election. They're hopping mad. They want someone on the far left and they are headed towards Bernie Sanders. This is going to be a race in a party of people who uh, love diversity, love the celebration of diversity, love uh, superficial diversity of, of skin color, uh, sex, gender, sexual orientation, whatever. They're about to give it to one of the two old white men. It is going to be very, very funny to watch the Democrats tear each other apart over this. Um, the Bernie bros are out to get Biden. And here's the thing. Biden's fundraising numbers are out. He only raised about 200000 more dollars in a 24-hour period than Bernie Sanders did. That's actually not a ton of money for a sitting vice president or a former vice president of the United States, the former vice president of Barack Obama, no less. The obama Messiah, his vice president, barely beat Bernie Sanders in the first 24-hour fundraising numbers. And Bernie is now ahead of Joe Biden in the polls. The question is going to be, who goes to Biden versus who goes to Bernie? Do the Elizabeth Warren people, the Kamala Harris people, the Cory Booker people, now that Cory Booker has a ton, uh, the Beto people, do they go to Biden or do they go to Bernie? I think the Beto people go to Biden, but Harris and Warren and, and Cory Booker, they've been calling for revolution too. Who do you think they're going to go to? Biden is going to have a fight, and I don't know that he realizes it.
Isn't it wonderful outside? I mean, just the weather all day today. I got out and walked for a little while this afternoon. I haven't been able to go to CrossFit in the last two weeks because I've been so super busy. Uh, I've had meetings every morning, and so I've been taking three-mile walks in the afternoon trying to get the calorie count in and the calorie burning count in. And my goodness, the weather today was just fantastic, although I'm a little bit congested from pollen, whatever is blooming out there. In any event... The economic news, it's actually, there is good economic news out there. The president pointed that out earlier. I'm not allowed to comment on the new GDP numbers until about 10 or 15 minutes from now, so I will not comment on them. Uh, the country, though, is doing very well in every respect. I mean, we're just doing well. We're knocking it out of the park, as they say. <laughs> So, so the the GDP numbers are released on Friday. So the president got in trouble right after he was elected because uh, he got briefed on them. The president typically gets briefed on a Thursday evening, and whoever briefed him at the time forgot to tell him he wasn't allowed to say anything, and so he immediately took to Twitter bragging about the GDP numbers, and he got in trouble. Um, and the media had a field day with it. So that's why I had to say, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I mean, the, the president gets a sneak peek of the numbers, but by law, they're not allowed to be released publicly until Friday morning at 9 a.m. Right when the stock market opens, people know. And the, the GDP numbers, they are very good. 3.2%, I think I saw. Now, it'll probably be revised downward. That tends to be what happens. But the initial number, though, is still good. Very, very, very good. The economy is growing faster now than when Barack Obama left office. And there is how Donald Trump makes a case against Joe Biden. The economy is doing better, growing more quickly under Donald Trump than it ever did under Barack Obama. And when Biden and the Democrats say, well, it wouldn't be but for the work that uh, Barack Obama did, the Trump campaign can legitimately point out, well, then why wasn't it growing when you were president? It didn't really, the spark really didn't happen until the tax cuts. Once the tax cuts happened, the economy began to explode and has kept on going. And that's a good thing. More Americans are in work. In fact, it is harder and harder for people to find work. I saw a reporter uh, he's in Iowa on the campaign trail. You know, Denny's, Denny's restaurants are 24-hour restaurants. They used to not even close on Christmas. I remember when I was a kid, the Denny's finally decided to start closing for Christmas. And there were big news stories about this because it really had been a big deal. A Waffle House, uh, they're spread all over the country, but Denny's is, is in more areas where the media tends to pay attention, the Waffle House. So a Denny's was open 24 hours a day. Waffle House is open all the time, 24-7. Uh, Denny's decided to close at Christmas and there were big stories about the Denny's is they couldn't find the keys to lock the doors. They had to go get locksmiths because no one had ever locked a door at a Denny's. Well, turns out in Iowa, they're having trouble keeping them open 24 hours. There just aren't enough workers. Workers are getting paid better elsewhere. And so these service industry restaurants and stuff, they're having real trouble finding enough people to work. That's not actually a bad thing. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. 
News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. By the way, um, I am going to be in until 7 tonight uh, with Mark Aram uh, being out uh, this evening. I'm sticking around until 7, so you can hang out with me. I mentioned the economy. It is doing very well. It is doing better than Democrats expect it would be doing. It is doing better than a lot of Republicans expected it to be doing because of the tariff issue. It probably could be doing better uh, if we weren't in the middle of these trade war issues. But nonetheless, uh, the president has something to crow about, legitimately has something to crow about because the economy is doing so well. Uh, It is becoming harder, however, for worker or for employers to find jobs, particularly in the service industry. And to find workers, they're going to have to increase uh, pay. And in increasing pay, they're going to be increasing prices, and that's going to cause inflation unless something happens. Um, Hopefully, though, what economists are saying is there are still a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, a lot of people who retired, and... One of the underappreciated aspects of the economic recovery over the past number of years is that a lot of people who were retired or older have been filling up jobs, leaving a lot of younger people on the sidelines. The hope is that now, because of the situation with the economy and because so many people are employed, that a lot of younger workers who gave up on employment might actually start looking. And a lot of people who were denied jobs, particularly in the service industry, might go back in and get jobs, uh, which would not be a bad thing at all, Um, having younger people. The people who have been most impacted by the economic slowdown that happened at the end of the Bush administration, beginning of the Obama administration, have been young people. And the reason is because as the economy began to recover and as minimum wage laws increased around the country, increased the uh, wage expense for employees or for employers, they started hiring people who had a lot more experience. I mean, after all, even if you're in a fast food restaurant, you're in a McDonald's in California and you got to pay $15 an hour, Seattle in particular, in Washington, you got to pay $15 an hour. Who are you going to hire? Are you going to hire the person who is retired, has responsibility, is from a generation known for responsibility, or are you going to hire the high school kid? You've got to pay $15 an hour. You're going to hire the retiree who wants in on the $15 an hour. You're not going to hire the the young kid who has no experience that you're going to have to train. This has had a devastating impact on new employees. It is what conservatives said would happen, that 98% of people who make the minimum wage are people who are in high school starting out. That is a fact. That is a fact from the uh, Department of Labor that 98% of people who make the minimum wage are pe- or were, were before the economic slowdown, uh, were high school students getting their first job experience. When you start making employers pay $15 an hour, they're going to go out and they're going to hire people with more experience. It's just fact. Well, now we're running out of that. Uh, we're running out of those people. And the question is going to be, what happens? Will they start? Will more people come in from the sidelines who gave up working or will young people who don't have the experience and want the starter jobs, will they be able to luck in now to $15 an hour service jobs, flipping burgers and whatnot? We'll find out. I. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the economy 
over the next year. And of course, if there if there does, if we do get to an economic slowdown and a number of economists are worried about what's happening in China right now, Apple and other tech companies are beginning to pull back in China. And the initial thought was they're pulling back because the Chinese knockoffs are hurting them. But more and more, it's increasingly clear that from the data that they're pulling out, because, and these companies are actually beginning to start saying so, that uh, sales overall in China are starting to go down, that the tariff uh, impact from the president is having an impact on, impact on the Chinese economy. But because the Chinese economy is so communist command and control, the communist government there, government there is willing to take the hit, hoping that it also hurts President Trump here at home. And they can afford to do that more than he can afford to do that. So we'll see where this goes. I want to spend a minute here on an issue at the University of Georgia. A group there wants reparations. Reparations is becoming, see, actually, I, I got to step back just a little bit more. The Democratic Party for the last several decades, in particular during the Obama years, began to convince Americans that they're all victims. More often than not, you are all victims because of those evil, awful white Republicans. Well, they kind of lit a fire and it's gotten out of control. Now you got left-wing agitators around the country demanding slave reparations. The Civil War was won in April of 1865. We went through a period of reconstruction in this country. And then, of course, uh, the South was emboldened with Jim Crow laws. The Civil Rights Act was passed. The Voting Rights Act was passed. Uh, and we're still, all these years later, people are convinced that the government must do something. The government's been doing a lot for a very long time, and it, it hasn't apparently improved the situation because everybody still thinks there's still slaves around. It really is just, it, it's a maddening, frustrating conversation. You know, it, there was a time when there were stable families in this country, and it was before the government started making everyone dependent on the government. There was a time in this country where people were dependent on their local community for help, and that was a time before the federal government decided they could give the local communities the bird, and the federal government could do everything. We have seen a collapse of family. We have seen a collapse of community. We have seen a collapse of local charity. All of these things that the government, federal government has expanded, and now the latest thing that these activists want is for the federal government to start handing out cash to people who may or may not have been descendants of slaves. And where do you get that from? And do I need to pay because my family are Swedish immigrants, came here well after the Civil War. Do, does my family need to pay? And if you are uh, from another country and move here and your family is black and now classified as African-American, do you get money or do you have to be able to show uh, historic descendant of slavery? What do we do here? And does uh, 21 and me or whatever, do they get some sort of bonus because you got to go out and get a DNA test to be able to prove it? And does the government get the DNA test so the government can track you for the rest of your life? None of this is implementable. None of it makes any sense. This is just another way to foster grievance, and it would bankrupt the country even more so than the whole idea of um, bailing out student loans. But at the University of Georgia, an activist group has decided the University of Georgia should essentially let black students go to school for free as a form of reparations. And again, you get into all the problems. Do we continue to let the grievance foster all these years after the Civil War? Do we admit that there are problems, uh, but we are a nation filled with people defined by the label sinner, and we're not going to get rid of sinners 
in our society. So we're not going to get rid of greed. We're not going to get rid of corruption. We're not going to get rid of rid of racism. We're not going to get rid of discrimination. We're not going to get rid of any of these things. Are we going to let the system fester? Are we going to let the grievance fester? Or are we going to say, you know what? It has been so long. It's time to just move on. And for a large segment of the population, they can't. For a large segment of the population, their entire identity is built around being a victim. And they are very angry. And they want money. They want your money. They want to bankrupt the country. And here in Georgia, we have some of them. And those people believe that uh, the, the, the University of Georgia needs to give handouts. Y'all, we have lost our minds as a nation. In the first hour, I told you about the people who want conjugal visits with Mother Earth to try to heal the world, and now we got all this stuff. It is nonsensical, and it infuriates me. And I got to pause because I don't want to say something I'll regret saying, but it just it makes me livid that people have so fully invested in the idea that they are a victim and that the government is bad, and yet what? They're in college. They're getting a college degree. They're benefiting from the free market system. They are benefiting from the economic revival of the Trump administration, and yet they think uh, orange man bad must be stopped. And yet they're actually economically benefiting from him. Maybe they need to give back their income and stop working because if they've gotten a job in the last year, guess what? They got it because Trump turned around the economy. That's a fact. Y'all, let me just take a quick time out to tell you how much I love my Quip Electric Toothbrush. Now, I know if you listen to any podcast, you're probably going to hear an ad for Quip or Harry's or different mattresses and stuff. I'm actually a Quip user and have been for about three years now. In fact, my Quip toothbrush broke two weeks ago. I've had it for several years now, and I broke it. I wasn't paying attention when I changed the brush head. Completely my fault. <laughs> um, uh, and I had to get a new one. And in the meantime, I had to go to the grocery store and get a new toothbrush. And I wasn't going to pay for one of those cheapy vibrating toothbrushes, and I certainly wasn't going to pay for one of the multi-hundred-dollar vibrating toothbrushes because I went online, ordered my new Quip, and had to wait for it a couple days to come in. But my goodness, um, it just... Just use a quip and you can see the difference. In fact, I go to the orthodontist now because I've got the Invisalign braces and he keeps asking me when I started bleaching my teeth and he's asked me every time I've gone in and I don't, I just use the quip. It's that good. It vibrates, it pulses every 30 seconds so you get an even cleaning after two minutes, it turns itself off. The thing sells itself. Uh, I love my quip and it starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now. You'll get your first refill pack. That is your first brush head. Every three months you get a new brush head. First one's free if you go to getquip.com slash Eric and you get a free with a quip electric tooth brush and again only $25 so you get your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash eric you will not find a better toothbrush out there at this point I'm convinced I love my quip Oh, someone wants to know, is it a fact that the University of Georgia is letting um, black students in for free? No, it's it's what's um, what an advocacy group wants. An advocacy group wants slave reparations. <sighs> and the way they want to do it is essentially letting people go to UGA for free. Uh, UGA, not everybody can go for free to UGA. 
Uh, in fact, the school is is it's getting harder and harder to get into UGA. A lot of kids are going to community college or local schools and then transferring in. It's harder and harder to get there. Uh, now, speaking of those local schools in rural areas, the governor has signed rural broadband legislation to provide incentive for uh, local um, e- e- electric management cooperatives and others to build out broadband in rural areas. Remember, one of the proposals that had uh, been put forward in the legislature was to allow uh, taxes to go up on you and me so that they could use that money and give it to major Fortune 500 telecommunications firms and let them build out rural broadband. So you'd get taxed on Netflix, you'd get taxed on... um, iTunes, you get taxed on internet services of different kinds. You get taxed on your Xbox subscription, your PlayStation subscription. And that was rejected by the Republicans wisely. What they did do, though, was they uh, Senate Bill 2 allows their 42 electric uh, membership corporations in the state, uh, allows them to sell internet service along with power. And then there are also telephone cooperatives in the state, and those two would be allowed to sell power to sell internet. That is a good, good measure. For those of you who aren't familiar with the EMCs, and I used to work for the EMCs uh, Parent Trade Association, the NRECA, National Rural Electric Cooperative Association in D.C. Wonderful group. Uh, they hired me. I was a lawyer. They wanted someone to run an online blogging website for me. The whole thing was a disaster. I mean, it was a great idea and concept, but it just didn't work uh, in application. And I actually told the CEO he needed to get rid of me because it wasn't going to work. Uh, but they're good people. And in, in rural parts of the country, you get your power from an EMC. You're a member of it. And now they can sell Internet in Georgia. That will help other states that have done this. They've gotten broadband in those areas. Good for the GOP doing this as opposed to just raising taxes. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Let's talk about traffic, shall we? Some of you still stuck in traffic. Uh, The AJC has a story out by David Wickert about 120 miles of toll lanes in metro Atlanta. Believe it or not, these things have been planned for a while. My criticism is the reversible nature of the toll lanes. I wish... Uh, that for example, so I live on the South side of the city and I can go up in the morning and back in the evening on the toll lane. Occasionally though, if I stay overnight, I, I would love to be able to go South. And then on the weekend, of course, we're, tr- if we try to get over to my in-laws who are in Carrollton and we live South of the city, go up into the city and then cut over West to Carrollton. And on the way home, of course, the lanes are still going Northbound. They don't reverse on the weekends. Everything flows into the city. It would be great if we had fixed toll lanes in both ways, but that, that's a minor criticism to the fact that they're actually building them and building them. They are, there is a plan for toll lanes on I two eighty five. Um, essentially there is a plan for 120 miles of toll lanes across Metro Atlanta. We've got the 75575 toll lanes in Cobb and Cherokee County now. We got the I-85 toll lanes in Gwinnett and DeKalb County. We've got the I-75 toll lanes in Clayton and Henry County. Uh, but there are more projects in the works. So there are toll lanes planned 
for Georgia 400, which, you know, yeah, I, I laughed at this when I read it. For those of you who are new to the area, Georgia 400 that runs from Buckhead up uh, into Alpharetta and coming to the like, that used to be a toll lane. Now, it was a bizarre toll in that the only toll was just north of Lenox Mall, and the rumor had always been that they wanted it there instead of south of there. Um, so that people headed north into Linux from downtown area uh, wouldn't have to pay it. But uh, truth or not, there was a toll lane. In fact, if you go in that area of 400 south of the perimeter, north of Linux Road, there is that big spread out area where they're tearing down buildings. That used to be the toll plaza. And they got rid of the toll plaza because the roads pay for themselves. So it's really hysterical in my mind that they're now bringing the toll plazas back, except they're not going to put the toll plaza there now. They're going to build toll lanes on 400 from the North Springs Marta Station in Fulton County uh, to McFarland Parkway in Forsyth County, which is actually great because that's a hugely traveled area. It's very uh, congested. I was headed up to Table and Main from the station the other night, and for some reason, uh, friends of mine who were in the, the Sandy Springs area, it takes them just as long as it took me to get from the uh, our offices right near 17th Street and West, West Peachtree. And I cut up um, Buford Highway and, and 400 and got up there, but it, the whole place is slammed now. And you've got that massive construction area on 400 at 285. And when you get north of there now, there's so much traffic because people have, get, they did get rid of that toll lane. More people travel 400 now. Adding toll lanes up into Forsyth County, I think would be great. I did a fundraiser up in Forsyth County a couple of years ago for Michael Williams when he was running for the state Senate. And it was slammed on a weekend. I went up there. It was on an evening fundraiser. And on a Saturday, I was just stunned how much traffic there is on 400 north of the city in that area. I was really amazed. So I think it's great of the DOT to do that. They've got more planned, though. Once they get the... Toll lanes on 400 that is going to start in 2021 and end in 2024. They're also planning to do toll lanes on I-285. So you've got uh, east side lanes will start in 2022. West side lanes will start in 2023. And then there will be on the north end, they'll start in 2023 and they'll finish in 2028. Um, And that includes parts parts of the new toll lanes. I'm a big fan of this idea. I wish there were more toll lanes in the state. Uh, I think you've got the Golden Isles Parkway. Those of you who go down to Brunswick and St. Simons, uh, go down there to Sea Island and whatnot. There's a great four-lane highway where you don't have to go all the way to Savannah and then down the coast. You can take this highway. I've said forever it would be fantastic if they built a toll lane there and let people go fast to get down there, but they haven't done that. When we come back at the top of the hour, so I'm sticking around. Mark Aram has the evening off. He filled in for me yesterday. I'm going to fill in for him. And I want to do a big reset on the Joe Biden announcement of the Democratic primaries. But let me finish off some thoughts on traffic. They also, if you live on the south side, they want to extend. I thought it was always weird they didn't. If you drive up the toll lanes on the south side, they go from just south of exit 216, north of Locust Grove, and they go just past the 675-75 split. It seemed weird to me they didn't go all the way up to 285 on 75. They apparently have plans uh, in place to do that long-term, but it's going to be a while. I just, I, I encourage the DOT to do this. There are people who complain about the toll lanes, but the fact of the matter is you keep building new roads, more people are going to fill them up, and we don't have enough land for more roads. So the alternatives is is rail, 
which county by county that keeps dying. So we got to build more roads. If we're going to build more roads, put a toll on them so you can get some money back and uh, upgrade them and keep the going. I am a huge fan of toll roads. You go to other states, go to Florida, go to Texas, go to free market states. You find a wonderful use of toll roads. And I think if people want to pay to get somewhere faster, let them. Uh, I think it's a good idea. Okay. Uh, When we come back, let us kind of get back into presidential politics. I have seen Avengers. I have in game. It is glorious. It probably, you know, whether you whether you like these sorts of movies or not, uh, the fact that Marvel spent eleven years building up this universe, building up characters, introducing characters, and then putting them all together in these series of Avengers movies leading up to this one, it really is fantastic. I will give you away no spoilers. Take tissue. Um, it's just a glorious thing. The only thing I will tell you, and it's not a spoiler, there's nothing at the end. Marvel movies tend to have things at the ends of the movies after the credits. There is no reason to wait, uh, for in credit scenes. There are none. So don't be like the people. There have been numerous uh, press reports out about people complaining. They sit in the theater waiting for the end of the movie, waiting for the credit scenes at the end. And they don't happen. And people get very upset about it. Uh, there's no need to get upset about it. There are no credits, uh, extra credit scenes at the end. It's, it's It really is a well-done movie. Uh, it's a little aggravating, though, to see all this championing of Brie Larson, who I, I don't think is a great actress. And I think she was the worst part of, of Captain Marvel. I, I really do. Her acting was very flat. I thought it was just in the previews. The Her voice sounded very flat. But no, it's actually her. And she, I, I'm not that impressed with her. And there's this huge thing about, oh, it's a leading woman in a movie. And oh, glorious. Does everybody forget Scorny Weaver? Hello. There have been lots of female leads in lots of movies. And somehow we're supposed to believe this is a first that she's breaking a glass ceiling. The glass ceiling was broken long ago by women who came well before her. It's just ridiculous. She's a social justice warrior and it annoys me anyway, but this whole trying to claim credit for breaking a glass ceiling broken by people like Sigourney Weaver, Julia Roberts, and others well before her is nonsense. Okay, I want to recircle back to Joe Biden and running for president. Yes, I am sticking around in the six o'clock hour. Mark Aram is off this evening, so I'm going to be here till seven o'clock tonight with you. And want to actually go back to the first hour and walk you through some of the dynamics in the Democratic Party and also the door knocking stuff. I've actually gotten a number of questions from people and I've had some background conversations with people. So maybe I can educate you on some of that. It is Eric Erickson here on WSB. We will be back. Welcome back. Yes, it is Mark Aram's time. It is Mark Aram's show, and I'm not Mark Aram. I am Eric Erickson, still here with you. Why he is off today. He filled in for me tomorrow. Uh, He filled in for me tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I have dad brain. Uh, He filled in for me last night. Our daughter had her spring concert, and I could have gotten there in time. Uh, Being off at six, I, I would have been able to get there in time, except... 
she had a surprise for her mom and grandparents. I was the only one who knew. Uh, my daughter was chosen. Uh, she had to compete for it, and she got it, was to sing solo uh, the I Dreamed a Dream song from Les Mis, part of it. And it was her Mother's Day present for her mom, or an early Mother's Day present. So we had, uh, my in-laws came down, and we all went out to dinner, and then we went there for the concert. And it was great. I've got to tell you, I abhor high school band concerts because let's just face it. I mean, most high schoolers, they're not really good in band. They don't practice enough. Well, my daughter's school has a band instructor who is a Marine and he was called up uh, two years ago. I believe he was called up and it was a short term deployment and the kids said they would keep going with the fill-in band director. And when they when he came back, the kids were still so bad he fired he he failed them all. He failed them all and canceled the spring concert. This is the year before my kids started at the school and put the fear of God in them. And they are so committed to him now. They practice, 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 practice. And in so practicing, they've gotten really good. And, and he's pulled out some of the kids to form a jazz band. It was incredible. They did a, a free form of, of sing, sing, sing. Um, oh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, it, you will be familiar with it. The moment I, I play this song for you, you will know what I'm talking about. It was uh, full form and, or it was free form and they absolutely uh, did an amazing job. The, the drum solo alone did a freeform drum solo, took him four and a half minutes for the drum solo. And in doing the drum solo, I mean, it, he just, I mean, he had the whole, whole place on, on their feet clapping. It was, yeah, this, y'all know this song. Now this version is Biddy Goodman. Um, it, it, this version, you can get it on iTunes, eight minutes, 40 seconds. Theirs lasted 12 minutes last night because they freeform so much. It was actually, it was genuinely incredible. I was impressed. Uh, they had a bass guitarist who was incredible. Uh, it was just, it was really, 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 I was impressed. So now, uh, that being said, y'all aren't here for me to tell you about a high school band concert. You're here for the news. And I want to answer some questions from people who have written in, because I've talked some about door-to-door -door and whatnot. Uh, I want to circle back to Joe Biden if I can. I was talking the other day about the 7th Congressional District in Gwinnett County and door-to-door -door operations. I've also written at the Resurgent in the past 48 hours about some of the issues that uh, the Republicans are finding nationwide. There are some programs that help with this. Uh, all of this was about uh, Lynn Humrich. She is a Home Depot executive. She is running for... Uh, Congress now in the 7th Congressional District has a Republican, um, Renee Unterman and a few other Republicans are running. This is Rob Woodall's seat. He is not running for it again. There's a program, um, and I, I'm a fan of the guy who developed the program. It's called Campaign Sidekick, but there are other programs out there as well, although I think his is one of the more robust and what the, all of these programs have in common is that you can put into these programs all of the voters in a congressional district. 
then you you don't want to knock on the door of every voter in a congressional district. The reason you don't want to do that is because not every voter who is registered to vote is actually going to vote. So you want to find the voters. And if you're a Republican in a Republican primary, you don't want to knock on the Democrat doors. You want to knock on the Republican doors. You want to make sure the Republicans not only get out, but that they get out and they vote for you. A lot of times what a lot of candidates will do, a lot of candidates who, frankly, they get, uh, they hire campaign consultants, campaign consultants get commissions off of the ads that are being played. So the campaign consultants steer the rich uh, candidates towards lots of mail and lots of ads because they get a commission from all of it. So the consultants get rich. The problem is that people throw the mail away and they're not actually watching TV anymore. They're, they're on Netflix, they're on iTunes. So they miss the TV ads. You have to spend money on door-to-door efforts these days. You've got to build a volunteer base. You got to hire people, put them on payroll. You got to go knock on doors. You, the candidate, have to knock on doors. So you get a program like Campaign Sidekick, and you can pull up all the voters in your area and say, "Show me just the Republicans," and then weed that down further and say, "Show me just the Republicans who actually vote in primaries." And then you can say, now put them in order for me to walk. And the beauty of these programs is what they do is they'll do a walk list for you. And you can draw a circle on the map on your phone with a finger and say, I'm in this area. Show me all of the Republicans in this area whose doors I can knock on. And it shows you. And it's great. So it shows you who they are, who lives with them, and you can get consumer information pulled into a, uh, an app like Camp and Sidekick, and it'll show you what their interests are. So you know if they are uh, NRA members, they you know if they subscribe to certain magazines, you know that they listen to Rush Limbaugh, you know they care about education from their consumer psychographic profile and demographic profile. So you can knock on the door and say, show me the Republicans in this neighborhood who care about school choice. And so then you knock on the doors of the Republicans who care about school choice and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm running for Congress, school choice is my issue, and and I'm hoping, I I want your vote. And you, once you've talked to that person, you click a little button on the app, say, I talked to this person, it flags that person, and you can say, yes, this person committed to vote for me, this person wants a yard sign, this person is thinking about it, or this person wasn't home. And the people who aren't home or the people who are on other issues, you circle back to them again. All of the data says the more you knock on someone's door or call them or pair them with a neighbor who knows them, the more likely they are to vote for you. And in a day when it's harder and harder for people to see your TV ads and people don't necessarily get their mail or, or they sort through their mail and they throw away the political flyers— Knocking on doors and making phone calls and first-person contact with voters wins you elections. Now, I say Campaign Psychic. My buddy Drew Ryan actually has this program. There are a number of others out there. I really think his is one of the more robust. Um, But there are a number of them out there. And I know Governor Kemp's team in rural areas used Campaign Sidekick, and that really helped them shore up their rural areas in the state uh, to make sure that uh, they not only knew who was voting, but where they were and who they needed to get. Uh, but there are other apps out there. Um, we need this in suburban areas. The, the Kemp campaign relied on outside uh, forces to do the suburbs in Atlanta. They did not. Those outside forces wound up not doing the suburbs, and we see what happened there. Door-to-door is so critically important now. 
It is so critically important because of the media buys. It is so critically important because of the shifting demographics in areas like Gwinnett County. You have got to put in the sweat equity, whether you're a Lynn Homerich or you're a Renee Unterman or you're any of the other people in Georgia 7, whether you're a Karen Handel in Georgia 6 or or a Brandon Beach or whoever. You've got to go knock on doors. You've got to spend time with the candidates. You cannot rely on consultants doing ad buys. You cannot rely on robocalls and you cannot rely on mail. You've got to put in the time of the sweat equity. And you might as well do it right. And there are stories trickling out about candidates doing it very badly. I'll tell you about those when we come back. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, not Mark Aram, but it is Mark Aram's show now. I'm just carrying over today while Mark is off. Uh, talking about candidates doing it badly, there are some stories trickling out from around the country of candidates who they relied on paid field operatives going door to door. And if the field operatives did not knock on all the doors the campaign wanted them to knock on, they got fired. So what happened is the field operatives started faking the information, claiming they were knocking on people's doors. And in Texas, for example, that data trickled into other races And people were presumed to have had doors knocked on and and have larger commitments, and it became a real problem and painted a false picture of what was happening on the ground. And one of the other apps, not Campaign Sidekick, uh, one of the other apps out there, apparently did not have safeguards in place. Uh, For example, if you use some of these apps, i360, Campaign Sidekick, some of the others, if you are not in front of someone's house when you say you're you've knocked on that person's door, it doesn't actually submit that you've connected with this person. But one of the other apps, actually, people were able to sit in an office and say, I'm, I've talked to this person, this person, this person, this person, and they made it all up. Another thing they did is they knocked on doors, talked to one person. There were five people in the house, and they claimed to have talked to all of them. Well, one of the data pieces we now know in Texas, as well as in Georgia, by the way, is that wives did not often vote the same way as their husbands. Typically in married households, husbands and wives vote the same way. Not in all of them. Don't at me. Don't call me. Don't say, in my house, my wife always votes against me, or I always vote against my husband. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that overall, maybe not your house, but overall, husbands and wives tend to vote the same way in married households, particularly in the South. Not so in 2018. And that combined with the fake door knocking data messed people up. So you got to do it right. Uh, The best way to do it is to collect an army of volunteers, people who deeply care about your campaign, who are willing to put in the work and go knock door to door for you. Uh, Nationally, I think the Republicans get that. But small campaigns, congressional campaigns, maybe not. You got to have a ground game, though. Now, when we come back, let me go full circle on Joe Biden. He's fundraised. He's beaten Beto and Bernie. Although I don't know that he's beaten them as good as some people are claiming. I mean, for example, he only raised a few hundred more thousand dollars than Beto and Bernie on the first day out. Uh, I would have presumed that he would do better than that. Uh, He's saying it's first day, basically $65 a person. He raised several million dollars that way. Not everyone actually gave 65. That's how it adds averages out based on the number of donors. Some gave much more than that. But he's in it to win it now. He's looking kind of old, though. Uh, some more thoughts on Joe and the Democratic primary. And what is Stacey Abrams going to do? She was at the Avengers uh, premiere in Atlanta last night with Governor Kemp. And man, the local media really does want a do-over on this fight, I guess, for ratings and subscriptions. But we'll get there as well. Eric Erickson here on WSB.
Hello again. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here in for Mark Aram. I know you're expecting like recipe Friday or or dining recommendations or movies or how to say pecan or pecan. Listen, it's pecan. It's not pecan. Pecan is something you can flush. That's the end of it. We're talking about Joe Biden here. Joe Biden, the former vice president of the United States, is not getting support from progressives. And I suspect he knew he was not going to get progressive support. But the group affiliated with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other progressives is coming out saying Joe Biden would be a step in the wrong direction. Joe Biden essentially is making the argument for restoration instead of revolution. Activist Democrats seem to want a revolution. They want to blow up the system. They're convinced that the system is illegitimate, that Donald Trump only won because the system is illegitimate and they got to do something else. Biden is saying, you know what? We had this for eight years. We could restore it and we could, dare I say, make America great again. He's not using that language, but that's essentially what he's saying, that something profoundly sad has happened. He's spending a lot of time talking about Charlottesville. I do have to say there is an annoying bit in the media, though. For about a month and a half now, reporters have been running stories that have commended Democratic candidates, particularly Pete Buttigieg, for talking about issues and not obsessing with the president. Joe Biden, in 24 hours, has done nothing but go after the president and has done nothing but say we're better than this, Charlottesville was awful, the president is tone deaf, he fosters racism, and on and on and on. And now the same reporters who were seal clapping Buttigieg saying we got to do more than talk about the president or say, why aren't these other people talking about the president? They should be talking about the president as well. Oh, speaking of Buttigieg, I I gotta, this is so funny. It is worth reading. Um, So McSweeney's is a left of center online humor site. And they are, they have put up a piece. It's entitled a rough transcript of every interview with Pete Buttigieg. As you will recall from all the media reports, he's so smart. He speaks multiple languages. He's a Rhodes scholar. He's a veteran. He's so smart. He's accessible. Question. Is it true that you speak Norwegian? Yeah, I am evasive in seven different languages. Question. How do you plan to tackle income inequality? If I may, I'd like to speak to that very specific issue with a few glittering generalities. Go on. Freedom, democracy, bridges. Question. Care to elaborate? Optimism, honesty, a child's lemonade stand. Reporter. You have my vote. Buttigieg. I know. If this piece were any fluffier, it'd have to have a thread count. Question. Fish or Radiohead? Fish covering radioheads go to sleep with a surprise cameo by Dave Matthews. All right, no more softballs. <laughs> At which the, the answer is, uh-oh, my seat's heating up. Reminds me of Afghanistan. Did I mention I served in Afghanistan in the Middle East? The Middle East is complicated. Here's a Polaroid of me in the desert holding a gun. You can keep it. I've got tons more. Did I mention I'm a Rhodes Scholar? <laughs> this this totally captures the, the Buttigieg phenomenon, is it is it okay for me at this point to say he peaked too soon? I mean, the media love affair with Buttigieg is now somewhat over now that Biden is in the race. Poor old Beto, though. 
Beto just just flailed about, floundered around, didn't do anything. And now he's got team members are already leaving Beto O'Rourke's campaign, going to find other people, including Joe Biden. Uh, One of them, I believe, left to go work for Bernie Sanders and two others are now leaving to go work for Joe Biden. I think the Beto O'Rourke phase is over. It was stolen by Pete Buttigieg and Buttigieg is now over and the people hardest hit are the progressive theologians who wanted to claim that you can deny the resurrection and everything about the Bible and still be a Christian. In other media obsessions, Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp were at the Avengers Endgame premiere in Atlanta last night, uh, helpfully noting that Stacey Abrams stayed behind in Midtown and took selfies with people. Brian Kemp, not uh, necessarily as accessible in Midtown. It's not his crowd. I... it kind of annoys me that the media is so into and obsessed with the uh, Abrams-Kemp race as it is. Stacey Abrams has benefited from a lot of positive media attention after the race, but it's also hurt her, I think. I, I mean, Look at the AJC polling. Using the same sample um, shows that her... Negatives have increased greatly and her positives have decreased greatly. She's not really in a competitive position at this point to challenge David Perdue. I still think she either runs for president or she does nothing and bides her time. She's benefiting from so much free media attention, hagiographic media attention. She might as well just hold out for 2022 and challenge Brian Kemp and hope he makes mistakes. Except I just think that 2022, the GOP will have actually by then really laid the groundwork for solid ground games in the state. The The GOP, let's admit it, they got outmaneuvered in 2018 in Georgia. The Democratic ground game, the aggressiveness of the Democrats was far more than the Republicans expected, and they got outmaneuvered. I don't think they're going to make that mistake in 2022. And it's just, it, it really actually does annoy me to see how much the media is so obsessed with Stacey Abrams right now. They, they really, there's obsessed, the media is as obsessed with Stacey Abrams as Pete Buttigieg is with Mike Pence, except the, the media obsession is positive in, in their mind. They love Stacey Abrams and they don't like Brian Kemp. And I don't know that even the Georgia media is giving Kemp a fair shake. So the Great Southern Beer Fest is in Virginia Highlands at John Howell Park tomorrow. Uh, you can go online and get tickets. I am not going to be there, but I saw it and figured I would pass it along to you. Um, also, you've got the Inman Park Festival is tomorrow. Um so you can go do that tour of homes, live music, dance festivals. I am probably, so I, I took, uh, my 10 year old to see Shazam last week and we wound up leaving because, uh, a lot of my friends said it was awesome and they took their kids to see it. Although their kids are a little older than my 10 year old. And there were some really dark parts in the movie and he didn't like those at all. Uh, kind of scared him a little bit. Uh, the bad guy throws his brother and kills his brother and father there on screen. And so I have got to go back and see Shazam. And I, so I had to go see in game to make sure he would be able to watch it. And I think Marvel does the dark stuff so much better that they make sure to, to, 
uh, have humor in it as well. I think they do a very, very good job. Um, so I got to take him to see Avengers this weekend as well and take him to his favorite pizza place. We got a soccer tournament in the morning. Uh, he is, uh, he's been doing youth rec soccer for the first time and absolutely loves it. Those of you who follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson, uh, our family picture, he's got, hey, wouldn't, wouldn't put his soccer ball down on the family photo on, on Easter. So in any event, um, we got to do that. We got to go to church as well this weekend. We we've not done a good job this year of going to church. We've been out of town so much. Uh, for someone who comes on the radio and and does the super Christian stuff on on Good Friday and whatnot, I, I feel like I should confess to you, we've been bad about going to church in the last few months uh, for a variety of reasons. A lot of it we've been traveling, going to see family. And we've been sick. I mean, goodness gracious, we, we the entire family was sick the month of March, basically. And we got to do that. I got to get better at stuff like that. I got to get my kids there. But the the 13-year-old on a two-night sleepover, so we won't have to worry about that. All right. And if the weather is beautiful, I got to get my kayak out of the lake. I want to take my kayak up to Lake Lanier at some point and get out on there. Maybe go down the Chattahoochee at some point. I got a great kayak. I just don't take it out enough. All right. That being said... Yeah, time is up. I have filled it. Uh, go to the uh, Great Southern Beer Fest. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I just got an email from Buddy. Um, let me see. What is this? Um, oh, 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 oh. Um, so they're having the No Water, No Beer Festival at Monday night's original headquarters tomorrow. You can get tickets on Eventbrite. Oh, that's good to know. Um, it is the Benefiting Water for People in Rivers Alive. It is tomorrow night, 630 to 930 at, uh, oh, it's, it is the garage location. It's the garage location. And that's an awesome place. Um, so you can go to Eventbrite and get tickets. I might as well say as well, if you text Atlanta to 345-345, you can get the Eventbrite link to my event in August, uh, the Resurgent Gathering. Now, I will leave you guys. Have a great weekend. <laughs>